Season 1, Episode 8. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking about one aspect of identity that is important for all young people to develop. Last time, I promised that we would be going on a field trip. Well, let's get packed up and head on out to that youth development construction zone. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. In episode seven, I provided an overview of the 12 developmental outcomes broken down into two categories, aspects of identity and areas of ability. During the next several months, we will be going into detail with these outcomes. As usual, there is a handout that you can use to fill in to help you navigate and remember them. Click the link in the show notes for that handout. Over 20 years ago, I created a visual way to remember the developmental outcomes, and I'm going to share that strategy with you as we continue to talk about these developmental outcomes. The imagery I will use connects us to that construction zone I had talked about earlier. Let's imagine that we're there now. Think for just a second about what types of things you might see at a construction site. Every construction site should have a blueprint, and that's where we need to begin. This blueprint is really a combination of the youth development process, the values we have in working with young people, how we engage them, what we believe about them. Remember those bumper stickers I shared in episodes five and six? And even our commitment to helping them grow developmentally and spiritually. You know, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. This all makes up our blueprint. Now that we have this blueprint, we can get down to the business of building. But what exactly are we building? We are helping to build up a young person to be successful, confident, and to become exactly who God intends them to be. We want this young person to be capable of making decisions, problem solving, navigating challenging situations. We want to help them develop the knowledge, skills, abilities, and attributes needed to transition throughout adolescence and into adulthood. We also want to help youth get to know who Jesus is, how much they are loved, and to learn ways to build a relationship with him. This faith journey is a critical part of our blueprint, and it's not just one section. It is interwoven throughout their lives in all areas of development. Our goal is to help young people lock in faith as a part of who they are, or as I like to say, help young people make Jesus their hashtag. We have our blueprint. We now know what we are building. What else do we need? Well, we need tools. Any construction site is going to have different tools, hammers, screwdrivers, levels, etc. For the past six and a half years, I have lived in a house filled with tools as my husband has been remodeling our old 1890s farmhouse. You would think that I could name every tool by now. Not only can I not name them, but I also don't know how to use most of them. I don't know tools as they relate to a traditional construction site, but I do know tools as they relate to youth development. The tools I am talking about make up the areas of ability. 
Yes, I am asking you to now think about the different areas of abilities as tools. These tools are going to help build up that young person. Let's say you are ready to pick up a tool and start using it. Well, it doesn't matter how many hammers or screwdrivers you have if you don't have the nuts, the bolts, nails, etc., to hold all the pieces together. You're not going to be able to build anything. And these things that hold this stuff together are the aspects of identity. Developing aspects of identity is critical for youth. I believe we have to know them and know what they mean and look like for our young people. Let's reach into our developmental outcomes toolbox and pull out our first aspect of identity, safety and structure. Safety and structure can be defined as a perception that one is safe in the world and that daily events are somewhat predictable. At the most basic level of safety, we need to know if young people are physically safe. Do they have a place to stay, a place to sleep? Do they have food? Are they being abused or are they at risk of being abused? Beyond physical safety, there also is a need for safety in other areas of a young person's life. Young people need to experience safety in every relationship, in every setting of their life. The reality is, though, that they don't always experience this safety. If you ask me, then, how do I define what safety looks like for young people? It's not always a clear-cut answer. What one young person experiences as safe won't be the same across the board. While the concrete questions of physical safety seem clear, when asking young people about safety, they may not realize that the situation they are in is not safe. That is why, as a caring adult, you have to always be listening to what they say about situations in people, as well as what they don't say. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say we are looking at a young person that has a history of trauma or abandonment. When this young person is in a new situation in a school environment, they may really struggle to trust that anyone is going to like them. They may push you away as a teacher or as a friend before they are abandoned by you. And that is not an uncommon trait or behavior to see in a child suffering from abandonment issues. And while a young person may be physically safe and has their basic needs met for food and shelter, that doesn't mean that they have developed a sense of perception that they are safe and that their world is predictable. In order to feel in control, we may also see them act out some unhealthy behaviors, or they may choose unhealthy relationships because that is what they know. If you know me, you know that I talk a lot about setting boundaries and expectations in regards to working with young people because they matter in keeping you safe and in growing trust. But it also allows them to develop this perception, this sense of feeling safe. This is a critical part of their development because if they don't feel safe, you are going to struggle to help them build skills, build healthy relationships, and make healthy decisions. After I've gone through all 12 key developmental outcomes on the podcast, I will stop and do some practical solution training around what setting boundaries and expectations looks like. The other part of this aspect of identity is structure. What does structure look like for young people? Does it mean that the young person does the same thing every day? Well, for some young people, they are looking for that concrete, consistent structure of knowing this is what I do on a Monday and then I do the same thing on Tuesday. For other young people, that structure may simply be that there is one person that they get to see every day. So just like a sense of safety isn't the same across the board for all young people, structure isn't either. It will look different for different youth. 
When we work with young people, it is not uncommon to find that there is actually a lack of structure, an inability to know how to adapt to different structures, or both. For example, you may see a young person in a school setting or in a youth group that is showing no respect for teachers or leaders, and they may even be acting out. A lot of times this happens because they are trying to push to see what those boundaries are. They are trying to see if they really are safe. They may push boundaries, question boundaries, because they need to know how far they can go before someone is going to give up and walk away from them. Safety and structure are tied together and definitely affect one another. Think about young children. When we are raising toddlers, we create a bedtime routine. The routine will naturally calm down their body and mind and signal that it's time for bed. That toddler takes a bath, has a snack, reads a bedtime story, and then is tucked into bed. Their mind and body starts to get used to that pattern. And when they know the routine, if you deviate from it one tiny bit, they call you on it. Now, let's think about this from the perspective of a teen. If a young person doesn't have this consistency around what their life is like, they are missing that routine, that structure. And that lack of structure can lead to a greater sense of anxiety in that young person. They might be more likely to act out because they are going to push and push to find their own structure to fill what is missing. When we start to talk about young people who lack structure and that it is hard for young people who don't know what to expect, one of the best things that we can do in our work with youth is to be consistent and not always be changing the rules. We should be seeking to give that structure and the space for youth to voice frustration and ask questions about our structure and rules. And when we can engage them in helping to build that structure, we get much better buy-in and they tend to feel more safe. Now, here's one of the funny things about structure. If you ask a group of young people if they want structure and how much they want, many will tell you that they don't want any structure and they don't want to be told what to do. Yet, in my experience, they do want structure. Not only does structure say that you are safe, but it also says that somebody cares about you. It provides a little bit of relief if they can count on things being predictable. And oftentimes, how that structure is communicated to them makes a difference in getting them to accept it. Throughout the years, I've served in different youth groups that each ran a little differently. But there was one thing that was the same across the board. As I started to show up and provide this consistent structure in the youth group, that actually helped to build a sense of safety. It helped them to slowly over time let down their guard, build a closer relationship with me, and start to trust me more. Because they knew that I would show up and what to expect when I did show up, that consistency removed some of the anxiety they could have experienced. I've seen structure be positive, and I have also seen it be so rigid that it becomes more of a deterrent and a negative thing for young people. If you are working with a young person who is lacking supervision and structure, then that youth may indeed react negatively when suddenly you add lots of structure. Or if a caring adult goes in and demands that respect be given to them because they are the adult, they are the authority, young people don't tend to respond to that favorably. And that throws off the sense of safety and structure as well. Youth don't need structure that is so rigid that it demeans them or minimizes opportunities for them. They don't need so much structure that it prevents them from being able to make choices. They need structure that helps to build them up. It has to be this balance that includes consistency and flexibility. 
One of the things that always shocked me when I worked in the domestic violence shelter with kids who had been abused or had witnessed abuse of their parent or siblings, no matter how safe they were in that shelter, there was still a strong attachment to the abuser. And that attachment wasn't necessarily out of fear. The abuse was part of their routine, their structure, their predictability in life. Part of that pattern of abuse is that there is comfort in knowing what is going to happen, even if it's abusive. If I do X, Y, and Z, then this is what happens. And that structure gives them this false sense of security and safety. This false sense of safety is sometimes why we see young people make the same unhealthy decisions over and over again, because the decision is one of comfort. So what do you do if a young person isn't safe? For me, there is a part of this that is very clear cut. As I tell young people, if you harm yourself or others or are at risk of harming yourself or others, I am going to intervene. I am going to get involved and get you help because I care about you. My guess is this is how you operate as well, whether a mandatory reporter or not. But what about the gray areas? A young person isn't saying anything about being harmed or harming someone, but they just don't feel safe when they are with their group of friends. This whole idea around helping young people to process what safety looks like and feels like for them is important. We need to be having conversations that ask young people, how do you know when you're not safe? How do you feel? Do you see any patterns? Helping young people to self-identify these things is important for two reasons. First, you are not always going to be there with them. And second, you are building skills in them. These skills are what they get to take with them throughout adolescence and into adulthood. If they have a habit or a tendency to put themselves in situations where they continually make poor choices or put their emotional health at risk, the more we can help them figure out triggers, the better it is for them in learning how to develop skills needed to make changes and shifts in their lives. And we also need to remember that what you as an adult view as unsafe may not be unsafe in a teenager's eyes. We need to be mindful in how we express this to young people, because if we make them feel bad about their views, they are going to not turn to us and they are just going to push us away. I've been asked about safety related to social media multiple times. I will do a specific podcast episode on this topic down the road because it does matter. Social media and access to the internet isn't going away. That's why I want to encourage you to do your best to learn the social media that the young people in your life use. Get familiar with it. Figure out how to use it. Have young people show you. This helps you to be knowledgeable and opens up opportunities for you to have conversations directly with youth about being safe on social media. Let's think about this construction site one more time. So here we are, and we have a toolbox in front of us. This is the toolbox that we are going to be using as a caring adult to help young people. Inside of that toolbox, we are going to put our blueprint, our values, our beliefs, and how we engage young people. But we are also going to put in these 12 developmental outcomes that all young people need to develop in order to be successful. Now, today we put in safety and structure. We have a lot more to fill this toolbox with and a lot more ways to talk about how we engage young people in using these things inside this toolbox. As a total side note today, I want to say thank you to a listener who gave me the most amazing note that reminded me why I was doing this podcast. I may not know who all is listening and who this all gets shared with, 
But what I want you to know about me is that my heart is pure when it comes to working with young people. My heart's desire to impact young people and to help you feel more confident in working with them is one of my greatest callings and passions in life. I know if I can help you feel like you have more skills, comfort, or knowledge, I know it plays out in the life of a young person. Good youth work happens without formalized training, without listening to this podcast, and without fully knowing positive youth development. But my take on that is this. We know it happens, but what if we can do better, do more? Why wouldn't we want to? So this next week, I'm going to ask you to be thinking about this question. What things can I do to help young people develop the sense of safety and structure? Well, look at that. It's quitting time for us on the podcast today. Next week, we are going to come back to this construction site looking at another aspect of identity, self-worth. I sure hope you'll join me then. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.